Isn't it wonderful being in the house of the Lord on Christmas Day? I so enjoyed those Christmas carols. I got a real sense of the presence of the Lord here. It's a deep, sensitive, abiding presence. We're so fortunate to serve a God who's alive. He's a living God. He's here with us. His Holy Spirit is among us and in us forever. We thank the Lord. Now, I've titled today's message, The Birth of Jesus, because this is what Christmas is all about. It's about the birth of Jesus, the Savior of the world. You know, everything about Christ's birth points to the divine. His whole birth is clothed in miracles. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be there on that holy night in Bethlehem when Jesus was born? I was thinking about this a few weeks ago when we had a staff breakfast because um, we were opening these Christmas crackers and they had these little conversation starters in them. And uh, one of the conversation starters really caught my attention. It said the following, if you could have a conversation with anyone in history, who would you choose? Okay, let me ask you that uh, to all of you here. If you could have a conversation with anyone in history, who would you choose? Okay, everyone who said Jesus, raise your hand. Okay, cool. Okay, we're in a good company here. Uh, for me, I think uh, I would choose Jesus hands down. He'd be the number one on my list. I think it must be quite tremendous to sit down in the flesh, maybe on a field overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and just listening to him, just being in his presence. Incredible. But anyway, I was thinking about some other people in the Bible, and I was thinking about Moses and David and a couple of others, and then someone came to mind, just dropped in my heart, and I thought about Mary. I thought about Mary. I mean, just imagine being able to sit with Mary and have a cup of tea with her and ask her, Mary, will you tell us about what it was like on that night when Jesus was born? I think that her eyes would sparkle with wonder. And I think she would tell us the story of the birth of Jesus in a way that would be better than we've ever heard before. But please turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. So if you're going to be going on your Bible app, uh, please select the NRV version. Uh, and we're going to read it slowly and carefully, and we're going to let the wonder of the story fill our hearts afresh today. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 20, and I encourage you to keep your Bibles open throughout the service. It's titled, The Birth of Jesus, The Birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. 
She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now, uh, when we read the Christmas story, we always read about Jesus lying in the manger. But I know that if I was a shepherd on that day, I would have asked Mary and Joseph if I could hold him. I mean, I'd love holding a newborn baby. I mean, there's just like nothing better. It's like, hello, you know, and how many of you love holding a newborn baby? Okay, so, and, and, you know, we get this picture in the Gospels that, like, he didn't touch him. He was just there. But, like, I don't know if that happened. Maybe all the shepherds, maybe there were ten shepherds, and, like, they all had a turn, and then, like, pass it on, careful his head, you know. I, like, maybe they all had a chance to hold baby Jesus. Back to the story. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We thank the Lord for the reading of his word. It's just the most beautiful story that we've read today. I've got four points to share with you. And the first point is God's divine hand. God's divine hand. At the start of this chapter, we read about some worldly rulers. We read about Caesar Augustus and about a man named Quirinius who was the governor of Syria. Now Caesar himself was the most powerful man in the then known world. The most powerful man. If he decreed something, it would be done. No questions asked. And Caesar had ordered a census. So men and women across the Roman world, they obeyed immediately, setting off to their ancestral hometowns to be counted. And Joseph and Mary traveled to Bethlehem. Little did Caesar know, but God's divine hand was at work through his decree. 
For Mary was pregnant with God's son. Inside her womb was the promised Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. The anointed one. The king of kings. The Lord of lords was in her womb. And God had ordained that his son would be born in Bethlehem. We read about this in Micah. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Keep in mind that Micah prophesied this 400 years before Jesus was born. 400 years, Micah said this. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. You know, in the Old Testament, we read about Bethlehem as King David's hometown. So we know about King David being a shepherd boy out in the, in the fields, and the surrounding fields were, were Bethlehem. It was where he grew up. It was King David's hometown. When King David became king, Bethlehem actually became known as the city of David, the city of King David. And uh, God had made David a promise. This is what it says. In 2 Samuel 7 verse 16, God promised David, he said, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. He was speaking about Jesus. You know, both Joseph and Mary were from the line of David. And Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise. Jesus was the fulfillment. The king of kings was about to be born. I want to emphasize God's divine hand at work because we live in a world where there are many powerful rulers and sometimes their orders and their decrees can feel very oppressive. But God wants us to know that he is sovereign. He rules far above the rulers of this world and he has a divine plan for us. And nothing can hinder his will from being done. Turn back, to me to, uh, turn back with me to Luke chapter 2 and look at verse 6. While they were there, that's in Bethlehem, the time came. If you're someone who likes to make notes in your Bible, you might want to underline those words. The time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn. A son. You know, God's timing is perfect. I believe that there's some people here today or listening online that need to hear that. God's timing is perfect. In Galatians 4, verse 4 to 5, from the New King James Version, we read, But when the fullness of time had come, you might want to underline that, fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. This is what Christmas is all about, family and friends. Jesus sending his son into the world to eventually die for us so that we can be adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. Are you aware of God's divine hand in your life. What would happen if you looked at your current situation through eyes of faith, 
through eyes of eternity. I want to invite you to do that now quickly. Think about your life and pray, Father, show me what you are doing. Just in this moment, think about your life and pray a little prayer. Father, show me what you are doing. You can also say, help me, Father, to see things the way you see them. Family and friends, Caesar Augustus was not in charge. God was. We are living in the end times, and the Bible warns us against rulers and antichrists. But we must not lose heart when powerful rulers rise and fall all across the world. Our eyes should not be on them, and our hearts should not faint, no matter what they decree. We can take courage because God is for us. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, He who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So if God has begun a good work in you, he's going to watch over you. He's going to carry it on till completion until the return of our Lord. You know, just as Jesus, our Savior, was born into the world in God's perfect timing on that specific night, that specific holy night, so the Father, with His divine hand, will ordain the exact day of our Lord's return. And Jesus is coming back. And so we pray, O oh Lord, will you help us to become more and more aware of your divine hand in Jesus' name. Point number two, he came to save us. I really love the story of the birth of Jesus, especially the involvement of the angels. Their presence alone should cause us to sit up and ponder on what manner of child is this. In Luke 2 verse 8 to 11 we read, and there were shepherds, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Verse 13 and 14 say, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts of angels appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So firstly we have one angel that comes and gives the shepherds the fright of their lives. After he settles them down, uh, a great company of angels join him worshiping the Lord. So here's my thought, and um, don't hold me to it, but perhaps this is what could have happened behind the scenes in heaven, okay? So just perhaps, all right? So picture this. All the angels are at the ready and waiting for the birth of Jesus. They have actually been eagerly awaiting the greatest miracle that would ever happen, and that is of the second person of the trinity jesus being born taking on human flesh they've been waiting for this they've been waiting on this 
for nine months because you know, the angel went to Mary nine months before. And so they knew Jesus was about to be born. So they, they're eagerly waiting. And the father realizes that he needs to send an angel to go speak to the shepherds. So he asks for a volunteer. Okay. So he says, listen, uh, who would go and speak to the shepherds? And every angel puts up their hand. Like every single one. Like send me, like I want to go. But only one uh, could go because just the one gave them a big fright. And so, so he just sent one to them. But, uh, you know, the one went and he gave him sort of five minutes to share the, the message. And he looked around and all the other angels were so discouraged that he said, okay, you can all go. And they just, now we don't really know what happened behind the scenes. But what we do know is what the Bible tells us. And this is what the Bible tells us, the angels said. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That is what we know. The angel went with a message. And his message is, a Savior has been born. Jesus came to save us. You know, the Jews had long awaited their Messiah. They believed that the Messiah would come and set them free from all uh, dominion that was over them, specifically that would set them free from the Roman Empire. And uh, they were longing for a military ruler. But Jesus came to save them and to save us from something far more serious. He came to save them and us from sin. It's very serious. Sin is very serious. We all need a savior. You know, we sang some wonderful Christmas carols earlier, the classics. But there is a modern Christmas carol titled, God Rest You, Merry Gentlemen. Have any of you heard this one? God Rest You, Merry Gentlemen. Listen to the words. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy. I don't know about you, but I'm very glad that the Lord saved me from Satan's power when I was this close to going astray in my late teen years. The Lord just came in, spoke clearly to me, brought me back to the righteous path said, this is the way, walk in it. I am so glad that I have a Savior. So glad that Jesus saved me. I'm so glad that Jesus has more power than Satan's power. And he's able to save and he's able to deliver and he's able to set us free and he's able to help us walk on his righteous and joyful path. In Matthew 1, an angel speaks to Joseph to reassure him because Joseph had just found out that Mary was pregnant. And he was betrothed to her, and this was a big shock. So an angel goes to speak to Joseph. And firstly, the angel says to him, uh, you can marry Mary, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It reassures him. And then he, does, he says the following to Joseph. He says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because... He will save his people from their sins. Do you know that the name Jesus means Savior? 
It is actually the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And Joshua literally means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. The name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. The angels were rejoicing because Jesus, the one who saves, had been born. You know, the Bible tells us that angels rejoice in heaven when one sinner puts their faith in Jesus and comes to salvation. It says the angels in heaven rejoice. So how much more with these angelic hosts rejoicing when the Savior of the world was born? The last stanza of the hymn, A Little Town of Bethlehem, contains a prayer. We sang it earlier, and uh, I'm glad that all of you prayed this line. Okay, here it is. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Is there anyone here that can witness with these lines? Are you struggling with sin of any kind? Are you longing for victory? Jesus is the only one who can save you. He's the only one who can cast out your sin and then enter into your heart. You know, Jesus saved us so that we will not perish but inherit eternal life when we die. But Jesus also came to save us from sin so that our relationship with the Father can be restored while we live. Let me highlight another of the hymns we sang earlier. It's a famous one. It's called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, I usually only sing from the pulpit uh, once a year. And uh, so here's, here's the 2023 audition for the worship team. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn king Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Thank you for helping me. I appreciate the help. So, don't you love that last part? Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners are reconciled. Today we are remembering the birth of Jesus. He came as a humble baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths and placed in a manger. But that baby grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus lived a sinless life. He taught us about his father and he taught us about the kingdom of heaven. And then he was crucified so that we can be saved. He paid the price for our sins to be forgiven. Through his birth and his death and his resurrection, Jesus saved us and reconciled us to the Father. Let me repeat the angel's message to the shepherds. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Point number three. 
Let every heart prepare him room. Now, I was listening to the radio the other day where the presenter played an audio clip of a conversation between a mom and her young son. And uh, this boy was little and he was really, really excited because he had just received his role in the school's nativity play. So the conversation went something like this. Mom, you won't believe what role I got in the nativity play. What role did you get? His mom replied. Guess, he said. Is it Joseph? She asked. No, mom. Are you one of the wise men? No, mom. How about a shepherd? No, mom. I, I, I don't know, boy. Tell me. And the boy, bubbling over with excitement, said, Mom, I got doorkeeper number three. Ah, <laughs> uh, his mom was so sweet. She just went, Oh, wow, boy, that's just wonderful. Now, we don't know how many inns Joseph and Mary went to. We don't know how many doors they knocked on. But we do know uh, that there was no more room for them in the inn. Now, I've got great compassion for the lost, especially for those who haven't ever heard about Jesus. I really got compassion for people who don't know Jesus. Romans 10 verse 14 to 15 says, And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But my heart breaks more for those who have heard the good news. They know about Jesus. They understand the message of salvation. Yet their hearts are closed. Their hearts are closed to Jesus. There's been a message going around on Facebook over the last few weeks that says the following. Each of us is an innkeeper who decides if there is room for Jesus. Can I repeat that? Each one of us is an innkeeper that decides if there is room for Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 10 to 12. The first part is very sad. And the second part is very wonderful. Listen to this. He was in the world. That's Jesus. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his own people. But his own did not receive him. Here's the wonderful part. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. The Lord longs that every heart will prepare him room. The Lord longs that every single one of us will open our hearts and prepare him room. Let me refer once more to the hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, that we sang earlier. The third stanza goes as follows. 
how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming. But in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Thank the Lord. Where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ will enter in. Before I share my final point, I'd like to give an opportunity to anyone here or to anyone watching or listening online that would like to open the door of their heart to Jesus. You know, all it takes is a heartfelt prayer, a very sincere, heartfelt prayer. You can be in your bedroom on your own and you can realize your need for Jesus to let him into your heart and you can say, Jesus, I really need you. I'm so sorry for everything I've done that has been wrong. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. Jesus will respond to that prayer. He will come in. He will live with you and he will call you a child of God. You will be born again. You will be saved. So, uh, in a moment, I'm going, to, I'm going to read a prayer. And if there's anyone here, and you, you actually have never invited Jesus into your heart. You've never really prayed a prayer that's invited him into your heart. Then I want to encourage you to pray after me. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray in the quietness of your heart. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. This is between you and the Lord, but it's an opportunity to let him save you. So Revelation 3 verse 21, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. I will come and live with him and he with so let's bow our heads. This is just for anyone who has never invited Jesus into their hearts. You can do that now. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that you are knocking on the door of my heart. Today, I choose to open my heart and invite you in. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. Today, I ask you to save me from my sin. Please forgive me and wash me clean with your blood. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Rescue me from the power of Satan. Come and rule and reign and establish your lordship in me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision today, I want you to know that the angels are praising God in heaven for you. Amen, thank you. Now, my final point is a brief one, and it's Jesus at the center of our lives. Jesus at the center of our lives. As I was preparing for the message, there was something about the shepherds that stood out for me. They were living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks. This 
was their occupation. This is what they did for a living. This is what kept them busy. Can I refer to this as normal busy? Normal busy. All right. So do you want to just say that after me? Normal busy. But in the midst of their normal busy, the angel appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and then a whole choir of angels filled the sky praising the Lord. Now look at what happened when the angels returned to heaven. It says in the Bible, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this child that has been born. They were willing to pause, hit the pause button on their normal busy lives in order to go find Jesus. They ran to Bethlehem. They found Joseph and Mary and the baby in the manger, just as the angel had said. That encounter was so profound that they went out from there and they told everyone about Jesus. They told everyone they could find about what they had seen and heard. And then they returned to their flocks. They returned to their normal busy lives, praising God. How many of you can relate to the phrase normal busy? You, now, if you had to think about your lives, you'd say, my, my life is normal busy. Anyone? Okay. Quite a lot of people have had a long holiday already. They're like, so chill. No, not me. No, I'm not busy at all. Okay, so I think most of us can relate to this phrase, normal busy. Perhaps your normal busy involves going to school or to university. Or maybe your normal busy involves going to work, providing for your family, and raising your children. Now listen to the following paragraph in a book titled, Making All Things New by Henry Nguyen. He says the following, he says, Jesus does not respond to our way of living by saying that we should not be so busy with the many events, activities, and people that make up our lives. Instead, he asks us to shift the point of gravity, to relocate the center, there it is, to relocate the center of our attention, to change our priorities. Jesus does not speak about a change of activities or even a change of pace. He speaks about a change of hearts. The shepherds went back to their flocks, but their hearts were centered on Jesus. They were changed. They were transformed from the inside. Family and friends, I believe that remembering the birth of Jesus at Christmas is an opportunity for us to take stock of whether he is still firmly at the center of our lives. Jesus was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. It doesn't matter where we live or what we do for a living. What matters is if our hearts are centered on Jesus and if his praise is on our lips. So I'd like to uh, lead you in a second prayer. This is for anyone who would like to invite Jesus to be at the center of your lives. You've got to the end of the year, and if you're honest with yourself, you realize, 
Uh, Jesus isn't at the center. I've let something else come in. There's something else that dominates my thinking and uh, my what I what I think about and worry about and pursue. And you just realize, I would love Jesus to come, transform my heart. I'd love him to be at the center again. Then feel free to pray this prayer once again in the quietness of your heart and invite him to be right at the center. The Lord loves to answer prayers. When we pray a sincere prayer, he will listen. He will respond to this prayer and he will come in and be at the center. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I confess that I have strayed from you. I have allowed other things to be at the center of my life. Please forgive me. I want to be like the shepherds who went back to their normal busy lives, but their hearts were changed. I turn my heart to you, Lord. Be the center, I pray. Amen. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so taken by your great love for us. We marvel at the birth of your son. We marvel at the plan of salvation. Thank you, Father, for your divine hand at work throughout history and in our lives. Thank you that you are sovereign, Lord, that you rule and reign. It gives us such great comfort and peace to know that you are in charge. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to save us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Because of you, we can be saved from our sin and reconciled to the Father. Lord, I thank you for every person who opened their heart to you today and invited you in. Lord, I thank you for them. I ask that you will bless them. I pray that you will watch over them. I pray that you will help them to grow in you, Lord, grow in your word. I pray, Father, that some of them will become mighty men and women in the faith. Lord, thank you that you want every one of us to open our hearts and prepare, prepare your room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our helper our counselor and our friend. You are with us. We just tune into you now. We just focus our thoughts on you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are with us and in us forever. Your presence gives us courage and joy to live life to the full. Father, we ask you to bless us. Bless us indeed. Bless our marriages. Bless our children. Bless our time of rest and step with us into the new year so that we can step into the new year with faith, Lord, with our hand in yours, knowing, Lord, that you will help us and be with us and help us to be victorious. May your kingdom come and may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.